Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. So if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you or you have the Bible on, on your phone, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be looking at the first four verses in the book of Hebrews, and we will get to those in just a moment. But as we get started, I want to tell you a quick little story. In 1992, a container ship called the Ever Laurel, owned by a company called Evergreen, this ship took off from Hong Kong, sailing toward Tacoma, Washington. Halfway across the North Pacific, this ship runs into a huge storm, and several of the massive containers on board this ship spill off into the Pacific. One of these containers has 28,800 of these bad boys on, on board. So a shipping container spills out. It has these red beavers and these uh, green frogs and these cute little yellow rubber duckies. And somehow when this container drops off into the North P Pacific, it comes open. And 28,800 of these guys begin to swim around in the North Pacific, which you can imagine their feeling when they've, you know, they're like, I imagine the bathtub would be a lot smaller than this, you know, when they fell into the, uh, into the North Pacific. But they fall in there, and they begin to go all around the world. People find these in Alaska, on the coastline of Alaska. They find them in the Pacific Northwest. They find them in Hawaii. They find them in Australia. Some of these little yellow rubber duckies float up into the Arctic and get lodged into the ice and little by little make their way eastward across the Arctic in the ice, finding all the way around to the east coast of the U.S., even pushing toward the U.K., these little guys have, have been found. When I was thinking about our scripture for this morning, the key word that you're going to see in these verses is the word drift. And I thought, that's a story about drifting. Did they get to Australia or to the UK or to Alaska? Did they get there on purpose? No way. They just got caught up in currents and just kind of drifted their way around, not knowing where they were going, not how they were going to get there. In our lives, though, we don't want to drift. We are not called just to drift down the lazy river. We have something else that's been given to us. Now, I want you to hear this before we get into the verses. Everybody this morning, though there's a lot more people here than I thought were going to be here, but I think there's enough for everybody. Everybody this morning gets to go home with a yellow rubber ducky, okay? So when you exit, when you exit, now let's, let's be clear. When this idea was originally going through my mind, I thought as people are coming into the worship center, we'll have students handing out yellow rubber duckies. Then I start to imagine rubber duckies flying around the worship center, and uh, you know, those bad boys, they squeak. Oh, that's going to be, that's going to go well. So uh, we decided you get your rubber ducky when you exit, not when you come in, okay? So when you leave, and, and seriously, I know you could say, you could roll your eyes at this and say that's childish, and why would you do that? Here's my hope, and I'm, I'm serious about this, that you would take that little rubber ducky home, put it on your car antenna, put it in your bathroom, put it wherever you want to, and when you see that rubber ducky, that you would think, what does God's word say about drifting? What did I learn from Hebrews chapter 2? All right, let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1 says here, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. 
These verses are just a playground for doing Bible study. I mean, there are so many cool things to look at, but things I want to show you that would be helpful for you as you study Scripture. The word therefore, this is super cheesy. I know you probably get tired of hearing it. You probably heard it before, but there's kind of a lesson that when you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you always ask, why is it therefore? What's it therefore? What's the purpose of it? When the, you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's pointing back. It's connecting you to something. And so here it says, therefore, so what it does in our minds as we read the Bible is it ties us back to what just came before. What just came before. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the God who speaks. The God who has spoken to our forefathers through the prophets. But now in these last days that we live in, he has spoken to us in his son. And then all throughout chapter 1, you find out how great the son is. You find out that he is glorious over all things. That he is the one who reigns supreme. He is the savior. And so you've just gotten this message about the greatness of the son of God who brings salvation. Therefore, based on what you've seen in chapter 1, therefore, we must pay much closer attention. This word for paying attention is what you might imagine to give your devotion, your commitment, but it's a word that can also be used for bringing a ship into the harbor. In other words, it's a word for I have to pay attention. I have to bring something to its goal, to its fulfillment. So I have a purpose, I have a direction for my life, and I need to pay attention to that. I need to keep moving in that direction. We, what do we need to pay attention to? We need to pay attention to what we have heard. In the book of Hebrews, and over the next nine, ten months, however long we're in this book, you're going to see this over and over and over again. The idea of hearing is crucial to the book of Hebrews. When you see hearing, it's not just hearing with your ears, but it's believing and, and responding. This crew down here with blue shirts, they don't have you know, any experience with what I'm about to say. Sarcastically, they don't have any experience with what I'm about to say. But the situation where your parents speak to you, or your coaches speak to you, or your teachers speak to you, and they say, did you hear me? Did you hear what I was saying? Now you could say, oh yeah, I heard the words. But how do you know if you really heard someone? If you respond, if you do what they say. We all have the experience. I, I have this unfortunate ability that I probably should get over, but sometimes Amanda will be speaking to me uh, about something, and she'll say, did you hear what, what I was saying? Well, I can repeat 95% of, of what she had just said to me. Now I'm going to miss the crucial part, but she, I can repeat most of it. Did I really hear her, though? Was I really listening to her? No, no, I wasn't. If you are hearing, your heart's engaged. In the book of Hebrews, a hearing problem is a heart problem. If we are hearing the word of God, it's going to go into our ears and into our heart, and it's going to impact how we respond, how we live, what we believe. So we are going to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. If we don't pay attention if we don't give our focus to bringing life to fulfillment, if we don't give our focus to receiving the word of God, we are going to drift away just like these little guys. We're just going to drift through life. Jaron's perfect illustration this morning of the lazy river, of just drifting on by. So many people in life, they just drift. 
They drift away from Jesus. They just drift through life. There's no purpose. There's no direction. They're not going anywhere in life. They're not paying attention to what, to what really matters. We just drift. We just do things unintentionally. You think about the phrase, think about the phrase drifting off to sleep. So I've reached the stage in life where I often fall asleep reading on the couch before I actually make it to uh, bed. So, you know, you fall asleep, you get up, you head to bed. I heard someone call that a napetizer. One of the great words of all time. You know, I just take a little napetizer before I, uh, before I actually go to bed at night. So you just drift off to sleep. I didn't mean to fall asleep. I wasn't intentionally going to sleep. I just took a little napetizer, and then I got up, and I headed to bed, and I went back to sleep. And that's, we drift. We, we don't do things with intention. But you can laugh about drifting off to sleep, and you can laugh about drifting down the lazy river. But in this scripture, drifting is deadly. It matters how we live our lives. So what we have to first ask is what do we drift from? So if this is talking about don't drift, what we have to begin thinking is what do we not want to drift away from? Confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord, we don't want to drift away from that. There are people that the book of Hebrews is written to that they are beginning to drift away from whether or not they truly believe Jesus as Savior and Lord. You grew up going to vacation Bible school, you grew up going to Sunday school, you maybe you grew up going to Falls Creek or the youth group, and then somewhere along the way, college, young adult life, somewhere along the way, you just drifted away. You drifted away from confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. You drifted away from a wholehearted commitment to following Jesus. You drifted away from God's word as the foundation for your life. In the book of Hebrews, so much of this drifting is drifting away from the church community. So many people who disconnect from church don't do it on purpose. They don't set out to drift away from faith. They don't set out to drift away from the church. It just happens over time. Some people turn abruptly away from Jesus. For most of it, it's just a slow drift over, over time. In the ocean, those who row the boat in the wrong direction and those who don't row at all both end up in the wrong place. You can be rowing in the wrong direction with your life, or you can be just trying to stay in the same place, but you are going to drift away from what really matters. And so this letter, this sermon, is given to tell people, don't drift away. One quick note before we move on here. This idea of drifting, it can be misused as a scare tactic. So this is kind of insider talk, but, but hear me out on this because it, it matters. This idea of drifting. Here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens. You take a particular theological idea or a particular church, uh, a, a way a church approaches things, and then some group moves hard right on whatever that issue is. And then they say that everybody else who was still just believing what the Word of God said and what they've been believing had drifted left. Well, can I tell you, the way life works, you can drift left on an issue or you can drift right on an issue, but you can still drift away from Jesus both directions. And so just because a group of people takes an issue, shoves it far right, and moves the goalpost, doesn't mean now everybody is drifting back left. And I know that's a little bit of insider speak, but I just see this drifting language being used in some ways that are really inappropriate. And they're scare tactics, and they're, they're designed to divide people away. What is the author of Hebrews worried about? He's worried about if you've drifted away from Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
He's worried about if you've drifted away from a commitment to obey the word of God and follow Jesus. He's worried about if you've drifted away from connection with your church community. That's what he is primarily worried about. Now you say, what's the big deal? Like, you seem really fired up about those rubber duckies. I went, like, what's the big deal about drifting? Why, why does it matter? I'm just in high school. I just, I'm only young once. I want to live however I want to live. Or, you know, we have young kids. We're exhausted. Or we're, we're finally empty nests. We've we got things to do. Or, you know, I, I'm on an age. I've already done all. Why does it matter if I drift? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 2. Why, why does it matter if you drift? Verse 2. For since... The message declared by angels proved to be reliable. You're like, well, what message is that? He's talking about the law in the Old Testament. The message that was given to Moses, that was passed on to the people of God. This is what relationship with God looks like. This is what it looks like to follow God. This is going back to chapter 1 last week, the role of angels in giving the scripture and pointing to Jesus. So if what they said back there, if that message, it, it was actually reliable, and don't miss this part, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Easy for you to say. Received a just retribution. In other words, let me back up and explain this so we don't get lost. The Old Testament part of your Bible that was given from God to the people, if they turned away from that word, there was judgment and punishment and consequences for that. If that's true for the Old Testament part that they received, what does it say there in verse 3? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? In other words, if Moses gave the law and the people turned against it and they received consequences, what do you think is going to happen to the people that turn away from the Son of God when he comes and brings the gospel? If you neglect this salvation, that brings serious results. This word neglect up here, man, that's a, great, that's a great Bible word. The word neglect here is the word for treating something lightly, as if it has no importance. Now, we neglect things all the time. Uh, you, you guys neglect text messages that we send you all the time. Like, we send them and you don't respond to them. Like, you neglect things. Uh, everybody at home probably has a junk drawer that you just shove things in. It's like the drawer designed not to have to deal with that. Like, let's just put it in there. We just, we neglect that. We neglect things all the time. What matters, though, is the seriousness of what you neglect. You can neglect a text message. You can neglect a doctor's appointment. You can neglect things. But what matters is what are you neglecting? And here the author is saying you cannot neglect the salvation that comes through Jesus. To not pay attention to this is a deadly mistake. What makes the salvation so great? Like, why is it such a big deal? Why would we not neglect this? Well, look at the middle of verse 3. This salvation, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. In other words, the reason this salvation is so good is it came through Jesus. And it was passed on through the apostles. And it's been passed on generation after generation. Now, this verse is also a really strong argument against Paul being the author of Hebrews because this is not how Paul talks about his ministry. Paul always talks about his ministry being received directly from the Lord and passed on. This author of Hebrews 
He's multiple generations away receiving what the Lord gave to the apostles. The apostles passed it on to the church leaders, and they continue to pass it on. But the message goes back to Jesus. And look at verse 4. What makes this message so great? Like, why pay attention to this sermon? Verse 4, God was also bearing witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Not only were they preaching sermons, not only were they teaching the truth about salvation in Jesus, but God was showing up in a big way. There were miracles going on. There were signs of power going on. The Holy Spirit was moving among the people. The way we say this at Emmaus, our language at Emmaus, is we want to proclaim and display Jesus. In other words, some people respond to the good news of Jesus when they hear it spoken, when they hear it preached. Some people need to see the power of God on display then that gets their attention, and their heart and mind is open to what's happening. In both situations, God is moving. The good news of Jesus is on display, and this salvation is great. Don't neglect it. Pay attention to it. We have to give our attention to it. Why would somebody not pay attention to this? How could you hear a message like this and drift away from it? Well, here's a couple of reasons. Put them up on the screen here. What would cause us to drift what would cause you to drift away from Jesus? Number one, a failure to hear and obey God's word. When we begin to become disconnected from the word of God, we quickly begin to drift in other directions. Something else becomes the authority for our life. Something else becomes truth in the world. Something else becomes good news. We begin to drift away from the word of God. Number two, we neglect the greatness of salvation. We begin to drift away from Jesus when we forget how good he is. And this is a danger when you've been in church years and years and years and years, and you're like, yeah, that's just what I do. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose again to defeat death. And then we're almost tempted to say, and yada, yada, yada. Yada, 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 are you serious? <laughs> like, in sin, I was dead, separated from God for all of eternity, and Jesus came to this earth, took on human flesh, took on my sin that I deserve to pay for, and then rose again from the dead to defeat the power of death so that we will live with him forever. There's no yada, yada, yada in that. Like, that is the great news. That is the good news for all nations. And we would treat it so lightly that we would neglect it and act like it's not a big deal. We live in a world where we're constantly bombarded by information. Like your, your phone just blows you up with information. Everybody around you gives information. You're just constantly bombarded with information. And slowly but surely, we can drift away. Slowly but surely, everything else looks more appealing than Jesus. Slowly and surely, everything else gets our attention. Don't neglect the salvation. And number three, we begin to think that neutral is an option. If I can just say this as straightforward as possible. No one accidentally drifts toward devotion to Jesus. Drifting, acting like I'm just going to be neutral in life for a while. I'm just going to do my own thing for a while. I'm not turning away from Jesus. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing for a while. Frank, if I can just be straightforward with you, you will drift away from Jesus. Because the currents of this world will take you one direction. 
If we pretend we're just going to float along, it will send us straight away from devotion to Jesus. And this can happen in a church, not just an individual life. When we talk about drifting, churches can drift. Pray for us as a staff. Like, we, we have to stay committed to the Word of God. We have to stay committed to the good news of Jesus. We can't just coast along. When a church starts to coast along, it'll begin to drift in a hurry. Like, we have to stay focused. And if I could just say one other piece about this drifting. This happens in marriages as well. A lot of marriages break down not because there was like some massive immediate thing that happened, but just month after month, year after year, you slowly drift apart. Drifting is not only deadly in a church, it's deadly in a marriage, in a family. If you find yourself drifting, you say, we have to come back. We have to come back to Jesus. We have to come back together. Don't go through life drifting because it's serious. There's a warning here. I don't know how you want to handle this personally in your Bible. Students, this is going to be hard because I know some of you have your phones. Some of you have a hard copy of the Bible. But I want to put something in front of you that's important for the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is famous, or you could say infamous, because it has five warning passages in it. Um, I'll give them to you, and then I'll email them out, because if you don't get them written down, I totally understand that. In the, fr- like the first page of the book of Hebrews in your Bible, it's probably a pretty good place to jot it down or make a note in your phone, but there's five warning passages in Hebrews. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 3, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 12. So it's 2, 3, 6, 10, 12. 2, 3, 6, 10, 12. The reason you need to know this <laughs> is because these passages, they cause a lot of confusion. There are entire denominations built on differences of opinion about what's going on in these, these warning passages in, in Hebrews. What it boils down to, let me, let me just boil it down to you and make it as simple as I can. The, here's the issue. The warning that the author of Hebrews is giving is he's saying that you can be saved and then lose that salvation, that drifting away from Jesus means I was a Christian, I was saved, and now I'm no longer saved, or is the warning he's giving that the person who drifts away was never actually a Christian to begin with? Now, there's a ton of theology wrapped up in that, all kinds of ideas that, that are going on here. The way to understand this, the way to make sense of this, is to remember this is a sermon, Okay? To remember this letter that you have in the Bible is being given as a sermon. When I stand up here and do my best to, to give the word of God to you, I know that in a room like this are committed followers of Jesus that could do a hundred times better than I'm doing right now. Like you love Jesus, you know your Bible, you're committed, and you're in it all the way. There are people in here that were drug here and could care less about being in this room right now. Like it's just it just, I'm Charlie Brown's teacher up here. Like, it, it just does not matter. No interest in the gospel. I realize there are people in that. There's also people in the middle who are struggling with their faith, who are like, I, I'm not sure. Like, there are people here that maybe think they're a Christian, but they've never trusted in Jesus. Or there are people in here that, that are Christians, and they're just really struggling with their, with their faith. Hear me out on this. This will be helpful for you, I hope. The way these warning passages work is they reveal 
what kind of faith we have in our lives. These passages are given in such a way that some people are going to hear them and realize, oh man, I've never trusted in Jesus before. I've been faking it this whole time. I've just been drifting along. I've never trusted in Jesus. I was going the wrong way, and I was headed to hell. And God got my attention, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Other people, they hear these warning passages, and man, it gets their heart. And they're like, I've been drifting through life. I've drifting away from Jesus, but I know I'm a Christian. Like, I need to turn back and reconnect with my faith. Either way, though, these passages get our attention. And they are a warning that this is not a joke. They are a warning that this matters. And we are going to give our attention to it. We're not going to neglect it. And we're not going to drift away from it. So what do we do? How do we battle against this? Well, I'm glad you asked. The word is devote. Now, that's the face of someone that's going somewhere, all right? That's the face of someone that has purpose and a destination, and, and they're going to make a difference in, in the world right there. They are devoted. When you get your little rubber ducky, when you leave, you take it home. Okay, small apology. I didn't want to spend a lot of the church's money on these rubber duckies, and so I didn't look closely at the Amazon site when I was purchasing them, we got some very, very small rubber duckies, okay, like there. So I apologize for that, but they're fun. Take it home and write the word devote on it. Write the word devote on it. And in your mind, what you are thinking every time you see that thing is, I refuse to drift through life. I will not drift away from Jesus. I will not be apathetic about faith. I'm not just going to ride the lazy river. I am going to devote myself to salvation I'm going to devote myself to the Word of God. I'm going to devote myself to the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to see the power of God on display, and I am going to devote myself to the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to drift. I'm going to devote myself to what matters most. Here's the response. If someone was to ask you this morning, which of these two words, which of these two words describes your faith? and your life. Are you drifting? Are you drifting? Like if someone was to get a picture of your life, are you drifting away from Jesus? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just kind of drifting? Or are you devoted to him? Students, there are currents in our culture and world that want to take you one direction, just like Jaren said. And if you drift, it will take you toward destruction. I know that sounds like an old guy angry, but it is true. It will take you to destruction. But if you will devote yourself to Jesus, there's salvation and hope and life and joy and peace that goes beyond anything this world could ever provide. What direction is my life going? And have I ever truly trusted in Jesus for salvation? Do I know what that looks like? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. We're going to sing that song again that we sang earlier. I want you to think about God's work in your life. Think about what the Lord is doing in your life right now. If you had to pick a word, drifting or devoting, like which of those two words describes your life right now? And if you find yourself drifting away from church, drifting away from the Bible, drifting away from Jesus, what you have this morning from the Bible is a kind warning from the Lord. 
not me. I'm not angry with you. I love you. We are doing this together. I need this warning. But if you're here and you're drifting away, this is a warning to turn back to the one who loves you and who gave his life for you, that you would devote your life to Jesus. That when we hear the word of God, we wouldn't neglect it, we would respond. And if you're here this morning and you have questions about salvation, you don't know truly if you would go to heaven when you die, if you don't know what it means to be saved, during this psalm, let me invite you to come. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. Whatever you're facing in this room, use this as a time of response. God, we give this to you. We've seen these words because we believe them. Help us to devote ourselves fully to Jesus because he has won the victory. We do not have to be afraid. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.